Awesome. Um, so thank you, everyone out there that might be joining us. Um, so I'm Jason Mars. Uh, um, I have with me uh, Pad uh, Els and Nate Jones. Uh, and today we're just going to be having a conversation uh, about artificial intelligence, about our world, about how we can create value and move the needle forward in terms of where we're heading, you know, where we've been. Um, and it's just a, 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 a free-flowing conversation. We've got an awesome group of folks with us today. So let me just introduce, I'll start, introduce myself, uh, you know, Jason Mars. Um, you know, in one life, I'm a professor of computer science at University of Michigan. Uh, in my other life, I'm an entrepreneur, uh, uh, you know, a tinkerer, um, you know, on a mission to create interesting value for the world. I specialize in artificial intelligence and technology in general. Uh, and uh, what brings us here today is a project that we're collaborating on called Impactful AI. We really want to understand how do we have the right kinds of impact uh, for now and the future uh, in artificial intelligence, in technology, in this economy. So uh, with that, let me uh, pass it over to Pat to introduce himself. Hey, uh, nice to meet everyone. Uh, I'm Pad. Um, I'm a patent attorney here in, uh, I guess, North Carolina. However, our practice extends globally. I'm the founding member of a particular firm, AI Patent Law, that specializes in artificial intelligence. Jason Klink and a number of other people I've met along the way have been clients and are now friends. And our goal is to really examine what's happening across a number of technologies and figure out how we can best support that ecosystem, that AI ecosystem, and um, create some impact, some value for a lot of the people we work with. And so, so happy to be here. So happy to be able to talk about something meaningful, like impactful AI. Um, and I uh, look forward to, you know, really diving in. Yeah, and Pat, Pat is so modest, right? Pat is, is one of, he's, he's a future legend uh, in the space. You know, he's, he's done many patents, uh, dozens and dozens of patents for the biggest, most promising uh, AI startups uh, in our market, from unicorns to the most creative. Um, so awesome. Hey, Nate, so tell us what's, what's going on. <laughs> yeah, hey, guys. Um, my name is Nate Jones. I'm the co-founder and uh, now head of innovation at Structurally. Um, been working on uh, Structurally, which is a conversational AI company, for about uh, five years now. Um, you know, really just... Uh, surrounded by some excellent folks in the AI space on our team uh, and then folks like you guys uh, who aren't necessarily on our team, but I talk to all the time uh, about AI. Uh, so, uh, you know, really excited to share what we've learned from a company perspective and a personal perspective about building AI and just being kind of in that space uh, and, and learning kind of where it's going alongside you guys. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah, it's a wild time that we're in these days, you know. Um, so first, let's just talk about, you know, why we're here. Like, why are we here talking to each other, right? Um, you know, uh, so we've worked with each other, we've collaborated on a number of projects. But, you know, from your guys' perspective, you know, what's, what's impactful AI all about? That's, I think that's a great question, Jay. Um, look, We've, we've heard it now lately, and even in your book, I've been diving into 
<laughs> Thank you for that. Thanks for that little book. I love this book. I hadn't read it Yeah, I'm curious. I said I was going to read it before now, and I wish I really had. I got into several chapters, and I hadn't been able to put it down. I wish I was kidding about that. But, you know, we've established that AI is, is like the electricity, the steam engine, um, the light bulb of our time. And these are technologies that have fundamentally changed the entire world. AI is in the same boat, and it can be used for good and for bad. And so I think there's a real responsibility to address AI in a number of dimensions, whether an application and terms of bias, uh, whether it's discrimination, implementation, what are, what's good, what's bad, what's meaningful, what's not. Someone has to define that. And why not the minds that really dig deep into these concepts like your own and Nate and uh, folks that are on my team that we do research on these new or evolving AI uh, technologies, whether it's algorithms or hardware or some edge application. And so we're here to sort of guide that conversation around what is AI, what is meaningful, and I think it's an evolving. It's going to be an evolving definition, but my hope is that just like those other tools, those that have fundamentally changed industry, AI will do the same, and we must define what's meaningful, what's good yeah. for society. I think that's a big one of your mantras around yeah. changing the world, and I love right. that. Yeah, so I'd love to adopt, borrow that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I gotta tell you, what one thing that's super exciting about us coming together to just kind of work on this cool project is, you know, I'm excited that each of us have been in the field creating the current and the future, right? We're actually seeing real time what it takes to to create new offerings to the world, to really have that discussion with the world as to where should we head with the latest discoveries and the latest technologies and IP, right? Uh, Nate, you know, you have an awesome uh, a journey into, into this space, you know? Yeah, I think one of the things that, you know, got me excited to, to be here was uh, and really talk about, you know, what we're, what we're doing at Impactful AI is the, the misconceptions around AI. I think there was so there, there was and continue to be so many misconceptions about what a, what is AI, what can it do, what can't it do, uh, that like we ran we ran into it all the time when just simply selling structurally uh, a very you know pretty basic solution in the AI space uh, in all reality, and there's just so much uh, you know flying around. Uh, I don't I don't think anyone really knows what they can believe. To some, uh, to some respect, and that's what I hope to accomplish with Impactful AI is just that, you know giving the typical consumer some idea of what they can believe and not believe, and not just be spoon fed a bunch of you know nonsense. <laughs> so, so what, give us an example. What would be one of those big misconceptions that you're seeing out there? Um, you know, I think like self learning in in some regard is a little bit questionable. I mean, obviously, some forms of AI, which I'd love to hear your guys' opinion on this too, can learn, can and do learn with some input from a variety of sources. The way that our company took that approach on, because we hear it all the time, oh, you're an AI product, so does it learn from conversations on its own? Well, yes and no. 
It doesn't learn on its own, per se. It learns from constant reviews from our human in the loop team who are training and tagging data in a very particular way, which it didn't do itself. That was done and trained by humans. And then it was put through, you know, models, different models that were verified, checked, tested, and deployed by humans again. Mm -hmm. So it's not just this, you know, alive thing that's constantly <laughs> it's on its own. learning. It, but there is some, you know, there are some avenues there that are really like trying to get there in good and bad ways that I'm sure you guys have a lot more expertise to talk about. But I think that's always been like the biggest um, fight. It's not like a good or bad thing. It's just like a, a misconception. Yeah, no, I, you're, you're absolutely right, right? There's this kind of thought, especially if you're coming from a non-technical background, which is not, you know, most of the world, um, of AI being this sentient self-learning thing. And, and people are trying to do this, right? Like you remember Microsoft Tay, which was this uh, artificial intelligence that would learn from Twitter and then have conversations based on its learning. And there's this, there's this crazy danger there, right? Because then you can't really control what it might say, right? And so that's a, a dangerous place. Uh, but beyond that, potentially, right? Because the world has so much dangerous stuff out there. But beyond that, the tech isn't there yet for full self-learning, like neural networks that expand themselves without guidance, you know? And I think that that's another thing, right? There's, there's what the tech can do, and then there's the attempts that we're taking to, to do that. Uh, and I don't know if we're there in terms of product. Yeah, I agree with you. And so this goes to Nate's point around demystifying AI. Like, what is it? Fundamentally, Jay, we know what it is. And if you're head of product, you know what it is. And I made a comment about this maybe some while back where it's basic math. We've tuned it. There's a human layer there that will be there for a long time. And the deployment of all AI, for now at least, it's not sentient. It's not this thing that can actually pick up and go figure out what it wants to be. Yeah. We define that. It's mathematics. It's algorithms. Right. It's, right. it's rules that work together to imitate what we are, our intelligence. Right? Yeah. And that's, that's one of the beautiful things about computer science, right? Computer science is the science of taking mathematics and applying it in ways where we could model you know, behaviors, we could model activity uh, utilizing mathematics. So it's still right now in our control. And I think one of the interesting big questions is, does mathematics explain, can you explain consciousness with mathematics? And, and, and then the interesting thing in AI right now is the application of a model of neural networks, right? These neural networks are in our head. These are biological things that will fire electrical signals based on a number of factors. And, and, and I, think, I think the big question is, is it possible that these kinds of, that we can make the models sophisticated enough where we can create an intelligence like our own? You know what I mean? Is that on a horizon, right? Like we haven't seen it yet, but is that where we're heading? Dude, that's an awesome question. I don't know, Nate, if you want to answer this, but I think that, you know, but I work with computer AI computer chip startups as well that have raised hundreds of millions of dollars. 
and the extent to which to how far we are out, the compute power that would be necessary to emulate the human brain, the number of layers, the millions, trillions of layers and neurons is fast. And so is it on the horizon? You know, in my humble opinion, probably not anytime soon, not truly soon. <laughs> You know, unless there's some quantum breakthrough, we have quantum clients too, and some of these technologies are scary fast. I'm like, whoa, it's instantaneous, but we're still far away because we as humans still have to create those layers. We have to program and code, and that's millions, billions of lines of code. And so, unless AI begins to do it itself, yeah. No. <laughs> yeah, I think one of the one of the points too that you know I really wanted to get at with starting impactful AI and being here with you guys is uh, we've talked about like demystifying AI. That was part of our kind of goal here uh, with impactful AI. Um, you know, uh, demystifying some of the common misconceptions. That's a big part of it. But from my perspective, there's a lot of like, you know, I'm usually the dumbest person in the room, especially with you guys in terms of AI. And I feel the same way with my team, which means I have a really good team. Um, but like our first hires in the AI space were exactly like you said, um, Jason, they're from uh, the graduate uh, department of mathematics and statistics at, you know, uh, Iowa State University. Uh, they, they were studying the, in the PhD program uh, dual majors actually in math and stats. Uh, one of them was uh, specializing in computational theory. And so I think just like the the questions that we've had with him about just simply like, what can computers do? What like what actually is AI were mind blowing to me in the really early days because I'll be frank, I didn't really know like, you know, I understood programming to some degree. But I didn't understand that like AI or machine learning, which we probably should talk about somewhat of the difference in, um, was simply just math. And I think that's even more to say, uh, like to speak to our earlier point that like, sure, it can self-learn to some degree, but, you know, math is math. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's not just making up things on the fly. Every, every single thing that our um, AI engineers study studied were proofs proof proving why something worked mathematically right. and that is exactly why you know i firmly believe that ai is never going to be you know self-learning to to some degree uh, because there's always some proof there is always some logic down the line that has to you know check right. out basically yeah. uh, yeah, you know, I, I gotta tell you yeah, so I remember a, a colleague of mine, uh, uh, Kunle Olakantan at uh, Stanford. Uh, you know, he, you know, uh, I invited him to give a talk, and he, he gave this awesome um, analogy that I think is relatable to everyone. Right? So, you know, when you look at machine learning, deep learning, uh, and our usage of neural networks, it's a lot like what we see with airplanes in that. Airplanes are inspired by birds, right? There's wings, it flies, right? And, and we, we took inspiration from the biological system of birds to build that airplane. But at, at a particular point, we don't have airplanes that flap their wings, right? Like we went down a design path to achieve our goal, which was just transport, 
just flying, where we diverged from that biological systems to build a system that worked for our needs, right? And this, this is exactly what's happening in the deep learning space. You know, we, we are inspired by the mechanisms of how the brain works, but we've, we've diverged from an exact model of our, of our neural networks to, to build these deep learning systems that are different and that function, but they, they, they function a little differently, right? And so to really try to build in the computer something that exactly and accurately models our brains, that's a different kind of endeavor than the market is on right now. Um, it, it may be an endeavor we explore one day, um, but it, it really will be impacted by what our goals are, right? If our goal is to... Um, you know, make sure that plane flaps its wings like a bird, then, then we could try it. We could we'll probably figure something out. But it's not really being motivated by the main goals of AI today, right? So I, I think that's a very useful kind of way um, to, to think about it. Yeah, I like that framing, the objective. Like, what is the real objective? Would you want something useful or something that just imitates human nature? Is that, you know, and so it, you're right, the framing has defined what the output yeah. or the yeah. outcome is. And so I think if the goal, as you, you noted, is oh, we want someone just like ourselves that we can interface with and that thinks like uh, us and can respond. And I'm like, just have a baby. You know, the point, <laughs> I don't, you're, I think because that need may not be as great as people think it is to have some uh, bot that is exactly nearly human, <laughs> exactly human. Uh, although Tesla did come out with this humanoid element. <laughs> I'm like, oh my gosh, I want to see all the movies. Uh, uh, <laughs> I don't know. You're, you're totally right. I think yeah. depending on how you frame the object, like your objectives, like what's mm -hmm. the objective? Do we want something that can transport or do we want something that can imitate a bird? Right. You know, so I, I like how that was framed. That's really, really a very, you know, insightful lens yeah. for viewing yeah. where like general intelligence or AI will go or no. human level AI will be. I think it's a little far ways out because I don't think that general goal exists other than some eccentric maybe billionaires out there that are like, oh, I, know, I, know, I know, I know. And, and these billionaires like Elon, let's just talk, let's just, we could say let's names. Elon, 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 Elon's hilarious, right? Because, uh, you know, First of all, he's, he's running three companies, like real companies, which means that the, he must be perched at a certain level of leadership that, that, that is beyond like day-to-day -day ops, right? And so I think that gives him a lot of capacity to think and imagine. I mean, he takes a very sci-fi <laughs> sci approach, right? Um, but he seems to be driving, you see these folks, right? They, they often will drive society's imagination. And also, that'll trickle down to the, op, like, with the endeavors that the, the, the market, at least the, the companies, will pursue, right? Space travel, you could, you could really give a lot of credit to that appetite creation for space travel to folks like Elon. And now we have Elon. He's, he's been wading into the AI conversation for a while now. Whenever I hear what he says, I'm always like, whoa, that is some... That is some mystical stuff, right? <laughs> like, 
AI is evil, <laughs> Skynet. And now he, you know, now he's endeavoring to actually do something in that space with, or do something really concrete in that space with this new project, right? This, this humanoid. Um, yeah. So my question, do you think this humanoid is his attempt to replicate effectively himself, you know, starting at some low level, you noted that he must be perched to run yeah. three successful, boring, yeah. space, whatever else. Yeah. yeah. You're stretched fairly thin. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So I'm thinking, oh, let's create the bot first in the neural nets that can copy <laughs> my, you know, it's like, that's like the inspiration. He wants to duplicate himself, like, right? Well, it's that's probably how to make this thing. You know, yeah. that's crazy. I think, yeah. <laughs> With like Elon's obviously an extreme example, there's lots of extreme examples. I think what you said earlier about like it trickling down, like they have the attention of the world essentially. Mm -hmm. These billionaires, and I think that's both good and bad. I I love what they all do. I think they're sci-fi uh, and fun, and I love to just you know go crazy with them. But I think it is a little bit part of the problem. Because mm -hmm. they see on Twitter a humanoid Tesla bot, and they're like, consumers are like, oh, that's what that's that's what the market is like providing now. Where can I go buy this at another company X Y Z? But you know, we started this discussion out saying like, we're so far from general AI. General AI in the market is not a thing, and I think that's part of the problem is they go to the extremes. Consumers yeah. go to the extremes, yeah. following people like Elon. Uh, who knows his stuff? Like he, he was the one of the founders of OpenAI, who's right. you know right, right in the center of bleeding edge production ready AI yeah. um, in the market. Uh, so he's definitely there uh, and can speak to. Well, it. Well, his money's there. His yeah, money and his imagination's there. there. <laughs> uh, he doesn't really I, have I don't know if he's do. setting the roadmap on yeah, what yeah. you know what in what they invent. But yeah. I think one of the things that like we're here to do as like practitioners, operators, people in the market is, again, demystify like the bot, the Elon Tesla bot. Cause mm -hmm. like, you know, that's kind of, you know, BS in a way. But eventually <laughs> it might be a real thing on Mars at, at some point. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, but like, what what is it that you guys see that is actual like practitioner operating AI applications because what we've talked about a lot is, you know, your bird analogy, your plane analogy. That was a specific goal, a specific task, a specific application of a, a bird, a plane flying. What are those different specific applications that, like, we see in AI today that is market ready yeah. and will continue to be? That's a that's a phenomenal question. So so I'll start it off, and then we got to take it straight to Pat because Pat can see actually what. He, he knows what patents people are filing, dude. So we'll, 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 we'll check that out. But I got to tell you, man, like, so, you know, I've always had this, um, this thought that, uh, you know, one of the main drivers for AI and the way that the market wants to engage it is in this kind of personified anthropologically accurate model of what we know as AI biologically, right? So, so I think that, you know, there's these interesting AI tools you can have that does and analytics and, and extracts meaning from data, that's interesting, but, but really there's gonna be a thrust in the market that continues down the path of a conversational engagement model to access intelligence, right? So I think that a lot of impact can be made if you can create, um, you can start with conversational AI and 
And through that layer of AI that can do language properly, through that layer, we can access other kinds of other, the other, you know, uh, uh, modalities of AI, right? You can access, you know, AI that can reason about data. There's AI that can help you, you know, do X, Y, and Z, uh, can do tasks for you. So I think we're going to, I think that that's really where a lot of the, the effort, um, you know, uh, 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 lies, you know, and, and then there's, you have autonomous driving vehicles, you know, you've got uh, other kinds of AIs, but I think, I think that that conversational piece is going to be really, really important. Even if you're in a self-driving car, you're going to want to talk to it. Hey, take that left. Man, I need to get there fast. Dude, car, can you figure out a better way? I didn't like that route yesterday. That's how we want to do it. You don't want to be on a mouse or something in the car clicking, you know, or some kind of craziness, right? So, so I think that that's, that's one of the biggest, um, that's one of the interesting places that is, is worth spending time. There's a number of other places. But we need, we'll need that iPad, the, the iPhone moment for conversational AI, right? We're kind of still stuck beating our head against the same old techniques that aren't working. And so we're going to need that imagination to, to flip the script on it. And so I spend some time there. But, Pat, what are you actually seeing from, a, from your that's, I'm glad you, that was a great question, Nate, that you yeah. didn't follow up on, Jason. I, I yeah. think... I, because you're right, our clients, our customer, our clients are across a number of different industries, and they all use machine learning or AI along their stack, whether it's core, hardware, or just in the deployment at edge. And what I've seen is, I've seen AI, the first thing I want to say is I've seen machine learning and AI used for threat defense, think DOD, think so, so my clients work with them. And then so I have a number of cybersecurity customers who have found ways to detect threats, um, whether it's hacking or other things, systems that need to be protected. They're using machine learning to quickly uh, detect and triage threats. And it's so cool because no one thinks about that. That's not the NLP version of or natural language processing version where you want to talk to something, you need a system that is faster than we are as humans when there's billions of bytes of information coming at you. And so being quick at that, I've seen trust layer for internet fraud. When you're shopping and there's someone in Russia that has your credit card, we have clients who are core AI who are able to quickly detect and score and indicate this is bad. These are bad. This is a bad transaction. I've, we work with, and so other, and I've watched pure inferential models then be mixed with natural language models to detect when someone's sending you spam that is then would lead to you sending a thousand dollars to the Prince of Zamunda, right? Yeah. And so, but to Jason's point, there's just, but to Jason's point, you have these autonomous systems that need to see. And so we have convolutional neural networks and maybe vision transformers and other types of AI that enables robots to see. And then, of course, you integrate natural language processing that allows them to sometimes understand. And so I across many of these stacks, what I'm witnessing right now is not only the application of machine learning AI for fraud detection, cyber detection, threat detection, video, whatever it is, but what I'm watching evolve now is that where folks used to say our robot just needs to see and understand, they're now saying that a robot needs to see, understand, and communicate. And so to Jason's point, NLP is the most pervasive and will be, I think, 
for a long time, NLP, NLU. And so that part of the stack is going to be seriously important. And I think the greater majority of the people that come to us have found a way to deploy natural language processing and understanding and their stack for different things that's not related to like communicating with a Siri type of yeah. personified entity. It's no. simply, we want this information about said individual, read everything about them and understand it and give us your um, recommendation so we can send them the right survey or yeah. whatever it is. It's really crazy um, what I've been seeing lately in terms of the use of NLP, NLU, but those are just a few examples of some of our clients and what they're doing. Yeah. And we have a number of others who are mixing blockchain and different types of AI or machine learning algorithms together to affect some awesome um, objective or output for, you know, for the good yeah. of whatever product they're selling or service they're selling. So it's been yeah. really interesting to see that the evolution of the space. Yeah. So I got this question. I mean, I've been trying, I've been wanting to ask you, we never actually talked about this. But I have this question, right? So I remember, uh, you know, th there's been this kind of cultural uh, approach to IP in when it comes to software technology that's, you know, there's always a sense that, oh, well, should we be protecting, you know, software or tech? Like, you know, uh, I remember Amazon had the patent on single click or something and everyone was like are you serious you can patent by clicking a button to get to purchase and there was this kind of anti anti-patent uh kind of movement um is it different for ai i mean and where is that movement today are you still seeing that people that, are that movement is nearly lost i mean there's <laughs> I mean, there was an open source idea. Folks, when they got, they started falling in love with open source and the patent office in 2014 was like, no more software patents. And this was the time where I became really great at getting what was unobtainable um, <laughs> according to a number of the other firms, which led me into machine learning, which is another abstraction on top of software. Like you think software is math is what the PTO said. We don't want to give that to you. And society at large is saying open source everything. But the problem with open source and this anti-software is that now you're a software engineer, you create something. How do you protect your investment? How do you protect someone from copying that thing and deploying it in a different way? And who will invest in a moatless, defenseless, <laughs> indefensible, <laughs> indefensible idea? Yeah. And once that fell into place and they understood that the whole entire purpose of IP patents policy that's in our founding documents as the US is, is that it incentivizes inventors to invent yeah. and publicly disclose what they've made so that someone else can build on top of that. Right. The moment right. that you lose this idea that you can protect a defensible idea, a productable idea, you lose inventors no longer have the incentive to publicly disclose what they're doing. They'll keep it as a trade secret. It'll be 50 years before you can build on top of someone's stack. Right. Um, and so that whole idea that, oh, software is not patentable, yeah. kind of fell away. You had yeah. found different ways to protect it, to show yeah. that it has a tangible and meaningful effect in the real world. You can't just patent every app. Oh, there's an app for food. Oh, <laughs> it must have a meaningful effect. Right. Then display items in 
ensemble them together in a meaningful mm -hmm. way and then order it for you. Now that meaningful transformation yeah. is yeah. what the this is now settled on. And people kind of fell away from that idea, like I said, because now you can't invest. No one, no VC. I know Andreessen is, Horowitz is an investor in several of my clients. And if you don't have a patent stack, forget about it. No, no, yeah, yeah. They don't want to no. give you a dollar, dude. I, no, I, I agree. And honestly, like, just to dovetail on that point, the, the way our world works today is inventions are digital. That's where the bulk of progress lives today, I would argue, right? I mean, if, well, and I would substantiate my argument. The biggest companies in the world, all four of them, the biggest ones are creating software, right? Microsoft, Apple, Amazon, Google, right? It's all, that's where invention lives. And, and the, the core, and I'm a free market guy. I love, I love me some free markets. I do believe it needs to be regulated to, in some places because you know, human nature kind of isn't perfect. But, but the thing is, the, the same reason we patented mechanisms like wheels and stuff, no, I don't Widgets. think it's the same reason we patented still lives today for the inventor and the entrepreneur, right? So, so we would have, we just had to adapt our understanding societally. So, Nate, are you, are you guys protecting any of your IP at Structure? Do you guys do that or are you thinking about it? Yeah, we're definitely thinking about it. Um, you know, I think it comes back to what Pad said, like it's, it's definitely like built off of, you know, one another's, uh, you know, past inventions, past math. And I've had this debate with our like AI uh, engineers and uh, members of our board who do have multiple software patents at past companies. Um, obviously, it's, it's hard. Software patents can be very tricky, um, especially for early stage companies to go down that path. Um, but we've always been thinking about it. Uh, the debate kind of more theoretical that I get into with my AI engineers are, well, how do you like put a patent around like math, a formula, you know, just a simple equation. <laughs> but I'm sure you guys have tons of thoughts on that. Yes, but you know, I'll tell you this. Go ahead. <laughs> that math does something. It permutates some kind of process. So you cover the process and not mm -hmm. the math. Right. The math is doing something. Mm -hmm. What is it doing? Right. It's computing this thing. It, then it moves it over here, since the inference over there, and then that makes a decision somewhere. Right. Yeah. And, and then, then yeah. I think part of our IP strategy is more around data, too, uh, in part, because that's essentially what it is. It's at a very core, basic level. What our product does from an AI perspective is it translates a human consumer's text or email, you know, at the end of the day, it's just a message into a computer, computer readable language. It's a translation problem. It's like translating English to Spanish essentially, but it's translating some human language into some computer language. And there is some, what, you know, there is some formula or formulas or math equations behind the scene that's actually doing that prediction but it would be, you know, useless, worthless without that process that Pat said and without the actual data and training, uh, training data that some human said, okay, someone said, I want to buy product X into computer readable language, buying product equals X, 
or something like that. And so I think a lot of our IP strategy and I think a lot of our listeners and people who will follow Impactful AI probably um, are perking up at, at a thought like that, that data is partially uh, you know, a defensibility moat, but I think coupled with IP strategy patents um, is the the full what what Pat said, like you know, IP stack most likely. Um, I think that's always on the back of my mind. It's always on the back of our board's minds. I'm sure it's on the back of or front of many of your guys's uh, you know networks' mind as well. Yeah, and you know, I'll just dovetail on that. Uh, you know, this, this thought about, oh, it's, it's math. Uh, if you look at many of the actual physical inventions, it's an application of physics. It's math. And to, to your point, Nate, data is a piece of that. Well, that's like the materials, right? It's like, you know, are you going to use porcelain for that toilet bowl cover opener? Or are you going to use plastic or acrylic? It uh, it's, like, it's like, you know, it, it, all it takes is just a... a, a it's almost like education or it's almost like just be becoming more uh, deeply aware of the new, you know, uh, kind of substrates for creativity. But I'm with you, man. You know, uh, I, I believe it's, it's incredibly, if you're an entrepreneur in this space, you got to get your IP game on point, right? It is your property and it's incredibly valuable. Uh, and you have to do even, mm -hmm. even the way you source data, look at Clint's patent stack. Yeah. Ask me how many patents they have on data curation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know. You can, yeah. in fact, protect your materials to some extent, depending on how you write that application. Right. And folks think, oh, there's no way, Pat. I'm like, there is a way. It depends yeah. on how you think about it. Patenting AI is as much as a technical skill as it is yeah. an art. And if your artist sucks at thinking about the creative weight for protecting that thing that you value the most, that is said, say in your company, you might have IP leakage, people will move and come and go, your ideas will transport with them, even if you have the best protections in place. So I always encourage folks, don't, AI engineers in particular, they think nothing that they work on is patentable. But if there's some technical problem out there and your AI engineers come up with a technical solution that whether it's data or some algorithm, some other math that solves that thing, that gives you an edge, consider <laughs> it patentable, even if, yeah. you know, and it's never, it never hurts to inquire at least, but I, I can't say that every practitioner can identify what's patentable about AI because it's a very hard thing. Yeah. And so that's the question that, your question that you asked is a question that my current clients ask themselves. Yeah. <laughs> so, Pat, we don't think this is patentable, but we're going to send it to you. But you just came up with a whole new bot that reduces the time to handle this matter by 100x. Yeah. You're telling me it's not patentable? Let's reconsider. Let's talk about this again. Let's talk about the algorithm. Let's talk about your data sets, your training corpus. Let's talk about what you did to get here. And so, you. I love that you brought this up because this yeah. is not just you, Nate, yeah. and your yeah. board and the people that you work with. This is everyone other than Jason who works in a space where he knows that this stuff's patentable. But this is all these startups everywhere. Yeah. They're losing their technical advantage because they use these things in the open space, in the public domain. It's lost after about a year. 
And that means anyone could come in and copy this thing or someone can leave and compete. And so it's, I think it's important. I mean, I hate that I'm selling, but man. <laughs> I, like this, I think about this all day. I'm an investor. I'm an investor. And I tell That's folks, true. I want to your IP stack. I'm like, yo, what does it look like? I'm not going to give you a cent unless I believe that other folks can't copy this thing. Unless you have another form of moat scale or trade secrets or something. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's uh, it's this. You ask the question that's on the mind, or yeah. what you're thinking of is on the mind, and not just your mind, but a lot of other AI ML companies. And so that's oh, I think that's a really good point, man. I, I can't um, yeah. emphasize how much this comes up, even in our current clients. When I meet a new inventor, they're like, "This is not patentable." I'm like, well, "Let's let's really think about this." Yeah. And you know, Jay knows that we've had a hundred percent success rate with all yeah. of that. Yeah. No, it's insane, right? So, Nate, you were just saying that, oh, yeah, you know, it, it's, it's well known that software and, and this kind of stuff is hard to get the patent. Somehow, Pat, you know, Pat is just, his level of excellence has earned him this ridiculous success rate, right? 100% success rate. You, you go on that journey, you know, Pat will make sure he will do the first filter on your story to tell you whether it's, it's got merit for patenting or not. And then when he takes the case, you know, you can, you can you rest assured it's going gonna, it's gonna to succeed. So it's, uh, yeah, I mean, it's, 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 it's an interesting time we're in. And, and really, Pat, do you see anyone else in the, I mean, not to just cut, like, plug you that hard. It's actually really interesting, right? Like, yeah. because even in the law sphere, in the IP sphere, I see all kinds of interesting talks and discussions. Folks are trying to figure this out. I mean, are you seeing, like, what's missing from, from those other, from the bigger firms, uh, you know, that does all kinds of random patents? Like, they, they just can't seem to build the expertise to do this kind of thing, right? It's sympathy. You know, these yeah. guys are building, building, they care about hours and hours. We mm -hmm. don't do that. We care about the project, the single project. Mm -hmm. And if you don't care to understand what your client is doing like deeply like we know as much as their machine learning people the data scientists and machine learning engineers everyone they're labeling folks we know as much as they know about the invention by the time we're done and if you do not understand everything about the process you won't understand the differentiation uh -huh. and folks spend a lot of these other firms spend a lot of time copying what they see they'll search stuff like i don't understand so they'll look at old stuff copy that, bring it into the new. But that's what happens when you copy old and bring it into the new. The patent office is like, we've seen this before. They do it. <laughs> They're like, wait a second. They I think cite, I saw four of these. They cite all that old stuff against you so you never get a patent. Or if you do, it costs 5x. Yeah. yeah. Here, we create from scratch, from your right. nothing. And we, we say, what is it? Let us create with you. And it's empathy, dude. That is oh, all I have to say. I That's feel dope. as if they could, there's a lot of skilled people out there, although I've had a hard time finding them. You know, I've seen like over 200 applications for folks I've tried to employ, and some people say they're really good at it. I'm like, hey, show me. Let's talk. Yeah. And they don't know anything about an algorithm. I'm like, what's the name? <laughs> how do you? And so, like, how do you pick one? How do you? And then I'm like, okay, what about the training corpus? What are you doing here? How do you? you know? And so I'm like. You don't know, and so I know that there's a lot of idea out there that this is not patentable, even yeah. among practitioners. Yeah, and, and, and I love <laughs> and Pat's giving away all the secret sauce. So if you're out there and you happen to be connected to a law firm, he's giving away 
he's giving it a secret sauce. So, you know, a perfect success rate, man. It's, it's crazy. Um, and you know what I love? You know what I love the most about what you're doing, Pat, what you're doing, Nate? And, you know, I guess what I did before. Whatever. Uh, is I love that we're doing it. We're not even, like, in the valley, right? There's a lot of... Um, there's a lot of wisdom that, oh, this level of excellence uh, only exists on the coasts, right? It, it only exists in the classic Silicon Valley. That's melting away in a big way, especially with the pandemic. Oh, man. You know, there's, well, let me just say the pandemic has been quite a doozy and, and it's, it's uh, you know, it's, it's unfortunate what's happened. But one of the interesting things that got accelerated with the pandemic is this understanding and realization that you can do amazing work anywhere, especially in technology, right? And so, you know, the, that level of excellence that, that you know, you, 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 many old heads might say you can only find in the Valley is, is something that we're doing, you know, in North Carolina, in, you know, uh, Iowa, Nate, like, what's it been like building this company <laughs> in this unlikely place uh are you are you do, do, have you guys even considered like moving to the silicon valley uh, investors used to beg and request it and demand it yeah uh i mean you you can speak to it too from uh michigan <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, exactly. so uh but yeah iowa is just a surprising place some we hear it all the time we'll talk to big companies from the coast and they'll say Ohio? Uh, did you mean Ohio? Idaho? Iowa. And it's Iowa. Uh, we always laugh that it's now called the Silicon Prairie. So if you want to use that term, I love that term. Uh, yeah, so uh, there's a lot of there's a lot of companies up and coming here. Um, so I think it's really cool that the three of us from kind of, you know, it's obviously changing so drastically now with the pandemic remote work that Anyone can start a remote company from anywhere, so it doesn't really matter where you are. But, you know, we started Impactful AI kind of right up during the, you know, during the pandemic. And, you know, Jason, I met you kind of, you know, at the really early part of it. Um, and I think it's cool that, you know, North Carolina, Michigan, Iowa represented yes. not really, you know, tech super hubs uh, per se, but, you uh, we're definitely talking about stuff that's on the bleeding edge here in, yeah, in yeah. AI. And there's no need for the hub. There's no need for it. It's, it's, I mean, we've got people quitting in droves from Apple and all the all the folks that are mandating, um, you know, in person in the office. Like people are, people have gotten good at being very productive uh, without being physically in any ge geographic location, right? And that actually creates an interesting opportunity for us. We could just go and say, hey, are you sick of having to be in the office? Well, you know, we can scoop up that talent now, right? Like, um, yeah, it's, it's, I think it's interesting and it's a good development. And it's particularly good for the world because we're able to have a larger pool of talent that can express its talent in a way that can benefit all of society. Right. Uh, instead of kind of creating this, these artificial blockers, oh, you happen to not be in the right location to, to have an impact. Now you can have an impact from anywhere and it's becoming easier as, as technology 
uh, continues to evolve and we gain uh, these kinds of new skills. So, mm -hmm. for sure, uh, I think these are the kind of topics I think can be exposed through impactful AI because you're totally no. right, Jay. My clients are starting to hire folks across Oklahoma and Ukraine and all these other places where they would not have looked at before pre-pandemic. Mm -hmm. And what it does is it reduces the burn for some startups. Mm -hmm. You know, if you're not having to pay 3x to a silicon <laughs> for someone who does the same thing in Ann Arbor or mm -hmm. Oklahoma City or mm -hmm. something else like that. Those are trends in the AI space that's supporting the growth of AI companies because yeah. Is super expensive to get some of these data scientists in, right? And right. so I love this trend. We've been talking about this all day. Even Canada is a really great. Oh, country. you're absolutely right. right. University of Toronto. Totally. I mean, totally. And so this is impacting the AI space substantially. This the pandemic has truly opened the doors and opened a world of opportunity for folks who would not have had otherwise, and for companies to maintain. Uh, a reasonable burn so that they can get their product out the door. So I love it, dude. I always probably sell it for that. And Ann Arbor, we know for sure. You know, I preach Ann Arbor to a lot of my clients, like, go make that place expensive. I was, I'm just kidding. But the yeah, no, I mean, you, you actually opted to open an office in Ann Arbor. Like, that's right, exactly. Tell us about that decision. What's going on with that? <laughs> we have seven clients in Ann Arbor, including a couple that you started in the it's like the demand is serious, man. And with the type of strategy that we provide for startups, we're exclusive, we work exclusively for startups. And it's like, dude, they need that, that Silicon Valley, coming out of Silicon Valley with that expertise, and then bring it into North Carolina, and then to everywhere else that where there's hotbeds, emerging hotbeds for um, for startups and things like that, the private equity, the, the technology rolling out of University of Michigan created this perfect, like, storm for or the need for mm -hmm. our type of guidance and mm -hmm. so we want to be on the ground i want to see we want mm -hmm. to see what's happening we want to be a part of it so we're in the best the best tech hub in the space mm -hmm. and clink used to be there and mm -hmm. i think it's just a great opportunity to get to know the community better and really serve them closer mm -hmm. and i mean having an offer the presence there is not all and be all but it allows us to come say what's up and mm -hmm. meet the emerging companies there and let them know that there's something better out there, a, a more empathetic, thoughtful company. Right, right. You know, can really help them get along their way yeah. with the complex tech. So yeah. it's it's cool, man. So I'm we're so excited. I get to yeah. see you a couple more times. <laughs> yeah. And, um, I'm just uh I think it's Anytime. a big deal. Our, our friends are there now, you know. Yeah. So yeah. I'm ex really excited about that office up there. And I have a great schematic of what it's gonna look like and Maybe I'll share it another time. Yeah, yeah looking forward to that. Hey, do, you, do you plan to go ahead? Yeah, no, I think that like empathy, we've used that word a lot throughout this whole thing. Um, mm -hmm. I think that's a lot, uh, a lot of the reason why we started Impactful AI is just walking from, you know, non AI operator shoes, uh, a consumer of AI's shoes, which is quite literally to have empathy uh, yeah. walking in their shoes. Um, and, you know, there's so much, like we've talked about, misconception here with AI um, around potentially it taking jobs, um, you know, it uh, displacing people uh, in, you know, call centers or wherever. Um, I think 
there's definitely some merit to that. We don't want to avoid those hard, touchy conversations because, you know, frankly, there's a lot of there's a lot of good that AI will have to reduce very mundane tasks that humans shouldn't necessarily be doing and it's not enjoyable to be doing. But there's a lot of bad that comes with that too. And I think that a lot of what we're talking about here at Impactful AI won't continue to talk about is just, um, you know, empathetic AI. That's something that our product does as a uh, conversational AI itself has empathy, but we, as humans and, um, you know, uh, practitioners in the AI space who want the uh, world to use AI, um, I think we have the duty and right to be able to say, like, no, it's not going to displace huge swaths of people. It might help augment their roles in different ways so they can focus on more human level tasks. The way that I always like to define AI is simply a task that a, a human could do. A computer is solving or doing a task that a human could once do. But that does that doesn't necessarily mean it's just gonna take it over completely. It's you know think about it in terms of a sales process. Our product really focuses on sales people. It's not to say we're gonna have the back and forth conversation with your clients and close them and earn their money. It's gonna say we're going to talk to them to a point, answer their questions, provide empathy, and then pass it over to a human to close the deal. And I think there's a huge aspect of impactful AI that is to shine some light on um, some of the bad, but also a lot of the good that comes with AI and augmenting the roles that humans have. No, we should do a piece on this, right? Because I actually have, I, I, I think you're right on, Nate, but I actually, I, I go even further, dude. Like, in that, I'll say, yeah, you know, like, this is maybe controversial, but I'd say, yeah, you know, it's going to displace a bunch of people. You know, there's going to be segments of the labor market that's going to be completely, you know, obviated by uh, evolution that's going to happen. And, and that's actually that's actually required by progress, you know? So you could imagine, you know, when we had horse and buggies, I'm sure there was a label, labor market for the folks that would go clean the poop off the streets. streets. Yeah, you know sure. what I mean? I think that, that probably was a whole industry that served a certain segment of the market that needs opportunities and, and so forth, right? And, you know, but we wouldn't, it would be wild if we were to pass a policy decision to say, oh, we're going to make cars illegal because it's displacing that segment of the labor market. The thing is, society has to adapt to keep up with advancement because at a macro level, and it's really a microeconomics versus microeconomics kind of dynamic duality, at a macro level, it what we're doing with AI is going to increase the productivity of humanity as a single collective, right? So, so we, we literally need to think in the terms of what's best for the collective of our species, right? And, oh God, this sounds like a, not a great way to put it, but there might be segments of that species that in a way have to take one for the team you know, and, and what does that mean? Take one for the team doesn't mean, you know, you just become, you know, like completely cast away. It means that you have to, from a, from a, from a societal standpoint, that segment of the market uh, or a segment of society 
uh, needs to adapt its vocation, you know? And there will always be good stuff for human beings to do in society, no matter how much we're accelerated with technology. And we just have to retarget and reapply our energies as, as, a, as, as you know, part of that collective to work on that, right? So I'll give another example. I'll just give an example. Let's say, and I'm just making this stuff as I go, so it may not work very well, but let's say that those, those poop cleaners Right? Oh man, this is so terrible. Those poop cleaners, that horse and buggy, important service to the world. Maybe with the next uh, evolution, there needs to be more care for elderly. And we actually have this today. Like our elderly in the US and in many uh, demographics need care, right? They're alone and they're, 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 many folks are suffering. Retirement doesn't work. And there's all, I could go on a spiel on that. Like 401ks don't work. There's a lot of poor people who are retired. It's really sad. And they're alone. And you can imagine a society creating an opportunity to earn prosperity by caring about that or by applying your energies in that way. And so that would be a retargeting of the vocation towards something that is beneficial for the collective, right? And so, uh, so I, I say, look, there's, there's all of this energy uh, uh, expressed on how do we protect the people, the labor m- m- force from the, you know, becoming, you know, um, delicate, right? right? And, and, you know, I think that I challenge that. I'm like, okay, look, it's going to happen. We're going to have folks that have to, you know, that will be obviated by AI. And so the question is, what do we do? And the answer is not let's stop, let's stop our progress, right? I don't know. Is that too? Is that too? Uh, is that too? Come no, back. That's, not, that's not. You know, there's always friction. When yes. innovation comes in, there's friction, there's loss, but then there's gain. So for every AI company, then there's labelers, data scientists, and then someone who makes the underlying widget for this new product. Mm-hmm. So it's effectively this. You say productivity, but sometimes it can enlarge the labor market because the incidental effect is that you mm-hmm. need. Oh, the doodles of people to manage this one algorithm or this ensemble of uh, learning algorithms and people hire more folks to implement said algorithm. So it may be a one-to-one, so oftentimes it's not, but really sometimes it scales up eventually the labor market. And it's, it's weird, but you're right. Friction, they people get lost in the shuffle, but then they're found again at another level. And maybe it's another demographic. I love that. I love that quote. Oh my gosh. Could- could you write that one down? Sometimes people get lost in, lost in the shuffle, but they're found again. It's really That's innovation. Innovation. We have millions of jobs now. It's not because we didn't innovate. It's because we did. Yeah. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's good. That's good. Oh, man. Yeah. All, All right. right. That was a great session. What do you say? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Oh, man, we're coming up on the other. Dude, there's a, we got a list of topics to talk about we didn't even get to. Um, but, you know, we're at the top of the hour. I want to, at some point, we should just do one of those three-hour things that, you know, that's becoming popular. <laughs> It'll be like a little marathon. Uh, I don't know how they do it. But, um, but I think that's good. I think it was an absolute pleasure just having this conversation. They're so, we're just at the tip of the iceberg, man. Like, um, so let's just wrap it up with just one 
you know, question that I think we should all uh, share our perspective on. Um, Nate, do you want to, you want to, that's one of the questions you, you proposed that we, we use to kind of close things. Well, I think, um, you know, just uh, a little bit about impactful AI is probably a good way to, you know, close and what it is and how people can get involved. Because what we've been talking about a lot towards the end here is the collective gain as a society. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so obviously, if I heard that, uh, I'd want to get involved <laughs> if I was a listener. Um, I think just at a very high level or low level, impactful AI is here to demystify the myths or uh, misconceptions about AI. And that can mean a lot of different things. It can mean just simply showcasing what the different aspects of AI are. We've talked about a lot of them today. There's deep learning, machine learning, predictive analytics, natural language processing, computer vision, so many, there's so many, and they each could probably be their own topic. And they each have pros, cons, good, bad, uh, displacements uh, and placements. Um, that I think that we're going to have a lot to talk about as we grow and we come from, you know, a whole swath of operations and practitioners, uh, especially from the patent side. You see all sorts of companies from uh, myself and Jason's operation side. We see the actual application of it and build it uh, with our bare hands. Uh, so I think we're going to actually showcase a lot of what that looks like at Impactful AI, how it's used, good and the bad. And if you want to get involved, I think that we are here to learn alongside anyone who does want to get involved. So if you're an entrepreneur at an AI company um, and want to join this podcast, want to join a webinar, want to contribute to our blogs, um, you can hit us up at impactfulai.org, uh, send a request through. And I think that, you know, this is a collective, um, you know, experiment. It's a collective operation to get everyone's expertise in every area of AI in the public so we can all learn collectively. Uh, this is uh, a collective opportunity. So I would say if you want to get involved, that's the place to do it, just at impactfulai.org. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's awesome, right? And, you know, Pat, did you want to dovetail on that? Man, you know, I, I, I totally agree. I think there's so much content here, so much opportunity to really uh, educate the uh, public at large about what AI is and for the for the full benefit of all people, society. And I just love that mission. And if you if if that's what you're into as well, and most of these companies that are startups and changing the world are there, ML stack, AI stack are about that. They should join us somehow. Yeah. Guess yeah. just yeah. appear here and let's let's chop it up and you know talk about what you're doing. And how it's affecting the AI space, I think that would be super, super neat. Yeah, yeah. And yeah, if anyone out there has an insight, has a different idea, observe something strange, observe as observing a pattern or anything, or just you just want to share a unique perspective on any topic related to tech AI. Um, you know, impactful is an open and a welcoming platform for sharing ideas. As controversial or non-controversial or anything. Um, you know, we, we'd be happy to hear from, from anyone and then share, share your voice, right, with the world. So, um, yeah, all right, great. Well, thanks, everybody. We're going to go off and do some more AI-related stuff. And uh, we'll, I'm sure we're going to do, do another one of these soon. Uh, and just stay tuned.
Thanks, everybody. Awesome. Yep.